Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Hopefully your uh, Memorial Day weekend was, was excellent. We had a great time visiting with family and remembering the reason for Memorial Day. Did you uh, take an opportunity to do that? I'd be curious if you did. One way we did it was just by talking about it as a family, but also we watched probably one of the greatest war movies ever, Sergeant Stubby. Have you ever seen Sergeant Stubby? It's a great film. You should check it out. My kids love it. It's an excellent family-friendly film about a an actual dog that served in World War One. True story. It's pretty cool. You ought to check it out. But the team is here. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning. Praise be to God. Welcome to your first official day as a teammate on Catholic Drive Time and the Guadalupe Radio Network. How do you feel? I, oh, man, all sorts of emotions. I'm very excited. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty typical, I would say. You know, uh, Adrian's here. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Do you ever sleep? I mean, probably not, right? I mean, sleep is for for mo- mere mortals. Sleep is for the weak. That's sleep, what I always say. Sleep so is for I the can weak. sleep when I'm dead. The Salesians yeah. famously said uh, that they would, uh, in heaven, everyone else would be, uh, and uh, this is a direct quote, partying it up. And uh, the Salesians <laughs> would be sleeping because they didn't sleep here on Earth. Wow. Mm. Well, there you go, Janelle. Hopefully you feel better about that. But uh, <laughs> we're going to have a great show today. We're going to have uh, an author on the program, Liberty's Lions. Have you guys heard of this book? Liberty's Lions, The Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America by Dan Leroy. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. I'm excited about this. This is the kind of book that I actually love. I love these types of books, these history books and especially American Revolution books about the Catholics it served. I'm excited about that, so uh, praise be to God. Uh, Dan Leroy will be our guest in the guest segment today. In the What's Concerning Us, there's several stories I'd like to get into. There could be others the team has, but violence is on the rise in America. Two dead, up to 25 wounded in a shooting in South at a concert in South Florida. And then uh, there's another story out that says firearm sales soared during the pandemic. And I can personally personally attest to that having tried to find ammunition uh, and and i actually purchased a firearm in 2020 um another firearm in 2020 and it was like hard to get like it was hard to find this one because as soon as they were available they were gone and uh i can personally test that so we could talk about those stories and then there's other stories there were priests arrested in india uh due to covid restrictions similar to what's going on in, in canada all kinds of stuff to jump into in the What's Concerning Us section today. Of course, we're going to do the Gospel of the Day, Saint of the Day, plus Janelle is reading the news, so praise be to God, we're going to cover a lot of the breaking news stories. And in the second hour, if you're at all able to join us, we would surely love to have you. Uh, we have a new sponsor this week for our Fear and Trembling Game Show. ProudCatholicCompany.com is generously uh, giving us a beautiful Arleigh Guadalupe uh, shirt to give out on the show this week as a part of the prize for fear and trembling. So if if you can join us, boy, we'd, we'd love to have you. We'll have a new opportunity coming up in the next hour. You can follow us, watch us live, get all the links, all the details, all the information on our website at grnonline.com. 
forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Um, all right, uh, before we jump into our prayer, did you guys uh, do anything special for Memorial Day? Yes, I did. I uh, Well, I guess not specifically for Memorial Day, but I took a pilgrimage to Louisiana over the weekend, and I got home at like 2 in the morning on Monday. Uh, but it was amazing. I got to see New Orleans, the good side of New Orleans, got to see the cathedral and all the beautiful churches, the, sli- the shrine of Blessed Silos. I was so surprised to see, like, New Orleans is a city of saints. I am so shocked to real. I didn't realize how, uh, how Catholic, uh, New Orleans was, despite the debauchery that goes on in certain places in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, bad memories of my time in New Orleans, but uh, Janelle, anything special for Memorial Day? Well, I did go to Mass, and I didn't know it was the feast day of the visitation of Our Lady and uh, nice. Saint Elizabeth, so that was really nice. Uh, we also went to a bunch of barbecues, <laughs> so that was nice, too. Well, hopefully along the way we remember all those that sacrificed their life uh, in order to defend freedom and, and our constitutional liberties here in America, for sure. But uh, there's so many who have laid down the ultimate sacrifice, so let's continue to pray for their repose uh, today. But let's pray for your intentions too, dear listener, and jump into our show this hour. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle A. Two dead, up to 25 wounded in shooting at a concert in South Florida. Three-child policy, China lifts cap on births in major policy shift. From the Epic Times, Texas police arrests man accused of plotting mass shooting at Walmart. A Texas man suspected of plotting a mass casualty shooting at a Walmart has been arrested and charged with making a terroristic threat. Coleman Thomas Belvins, 28, was arrested on May 28th in Kerrville by especially trained personnel with the Kerr County Sheriff's Office after a seven-day operation led investigators to believe the suspect was a threat to national security. Authorities intercepted a message from Belvins that indicated he was preparing to proceed with a mass shooting. After authorities took him into custody, a search warrant was executed at the home of Belvins, and officials recovered an arsenal of various items, including weapons. Belvins was booked in the Kerr County Jail where he remains on a $250,000 bond. He is currently on active felony probation and is prohibited from possessing firearms. From a priest life update, Bishop David O'Connell of Trenton hospitalized with multiple blood clots. Bishop O'Connell received the COVID vaccine on January 11th and later the bishop was hospitalized with multiple blood clots. He had a previous partial amputation of one leg as a result of diabetes complications. Additional information received secondhand says the blood clots resulted after a second inoculation of the Moderna vaccine via Gloria TV. From the Catholic News Agency, Parish Archbishop laments attack on Catholics honoring city's martyrs. The Archbishop of Paris on Sunday lamented an attack on Catholics taking part in a procession commemorating the city's 19th century martyrs. Archbishop Michel Apetit 
deplored May 30th the anger, contempt, and violence directed at the group of around 300 Catholics, including children and elderly people, taking part in the March of the Martyrs. As soon as the group began the procession, processors were subjected to jeers and whistles. A few minutes later, a group of around 10 men physically attacked the procession, tearing down flags and throwing projectiles. A video posted on social media showed black-clad, far-left demonstrators punching and kicking participants in the procession. Two elderly people were reportedly knocked to the ground, with one later requiring stitches for a head injury. Around 50 demonstrators then blocked the procession near the church of Notre-Dame de la Croix de Monil-Montem. Organizers asked those taking part in the procession to take refuge in the church, where Paris Auxiliary Bishop Denis Jachet um, decided that the procession should not proceed to Notre-Dame de Otechis, where they waited and prayed until the police extracted them. The American Spectator says police deaths and retirements have reached record levels. Just one year after George Floyd's death, BLM protests and anti-police rhetoric from Democratic politicians have led to a record number of police officer deaths and retirements. In 2020 alone, 264 police officers were killed in the line of duty, a staggering 96% increase from 2019. The NYPD, which has 34,500 uniformed officers and is the largest police force in the world, saw 2,600 cops retire last year, nearly double the number in 2019, and an 87% increase from the previous year. This after more than 400 NYPD police officers were injured in 2020 during anti-police protests. And in 2021, NYPD retirements are already set to surpass last year's already high number. Nationally, murders have spiked by 25%, the highest level since 1995. More than 20,000 murders were committed in the U.S. last year and a 4,000-unit increase from 2019 and the largest single-year increase since the FBI began making the data publicly available in 1960. And those are your headline news. The saint of the day is Saint Justin Martyr. Saint Justin Martyr was born in 100 A.D. at Nablus, Palestine. Uh, It's 100 A.D., the year of our Lord. Pagan philosopher, he was a born a pagan philosopher, or he was raised and became a pagan philosopher, rather, who converted to Christianity at the age of 30 by the reading of sacred scripture and witnessing the heroism and the faith of the martyrs. He used uh, his philosophical and oratorical skills to publicly dispute with pagans and explain his new faith. And he became one of the first great Christian apologists, apologist meaning a defender of the faith. He later opened a school of public debate in Rome, Italy, and all this he he became a high-profile Christ. Uh, the high-profile Christianity naturally brought him to the attention of the authorities, and he died a martyr. He was beheaded on on in Rome in uh, 165 A.D. Saint Justin Martyr, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 12. Verses 13 through 17. Some Pharisees and Herodians were sent to Jesus to ensnare him in his speech. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you are not concerned with anyone's opinion. You do not regard a person's status, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? 
Should we pay or should we not pay? Knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought one to him, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they replied, Caesar's. So Jesus said to them, Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. They were utterly amazed at him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I love, I just love these episodes in the Gospel where they try to trap him, right? They try their best because they were unable to arrest him. They really wanted to arrest him, but they could not because of the fear of the crowds. So they tried to be slick and subtle, kind of like the creature who enters the Garden of Eden there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the most subtle of all creatures, or as the Latin would uh, suggest in the from the Vulgate of this passage, the most cunning, but the Greek says, in hypocrisy. So it's fascinating to see them try to entrap him. Now, look at, look at this. Herodians and Pharisees? This is like Republicans and Democrats. This is like conservatives and liberals hanging out and collaborating for the first time ever. It's that kind of crazy uh, contrast going on here. There's nothing that unites quite like that which unites against the Messiah, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, in hopes that they can get rid of their problem, Jesus. But he's smarter than that. He, he entraps them within the very trap that they would try to put upon him. The image on the denarius was that of Caesar. It's just a thing. Give this back to the man whose image is on it. But the same rule applies for you. It applies for Caesar himself, the ruler of all the world. His image and likeness is that of God. And we must give to God what belongs to God, our very selves. The money does not matter as much as God and that obedience that we owe to him, that adoration that we must give to him. And so he pulls this out and he entraps them and they are utterly astounded. They know they have nowhere to go with this. It is beautiful. It is incredible. He puts the question in order to return them a fitting answer, as the Venerable Bede would say. This image that we are made in, let us remember today that it is built-in dignity, inherent dignity into all of us. Amen? We can't abuse that. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Catholic Drive Time headed your way. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. 
That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up in about 20 minutes from now, Dan Leroy has a book he's published through Sophia Institute Press called Liberty's Lions, the Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America. This is kind of right up my alley. I love this type of topic. Uh, I love history. It's my favorite subject of all, especially Catholic history. So to look at our American Revolution with a Catholic lens, I think is pretty fascinating. And so we're, we're going to be looking forward to that. How much anti-Catholic bias was there in the American Revolution? What was it like for Catholics? Who were these Catholics and what did they contribute? We'll be having that conversation in about 20 minutes from now. Um, but there are several stories in the headlines that I want to dive into uh, to discuss during our What's Concerning Us. Before I do real quick, I just want to thank uh, realestateforlife.org. Realestateforlife.org is a generous sponsor of Catholic Drive Time, making it possible for us to continue to do what we do every morning, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. Central, 7, 9 Eastern, and bringing you information, the news, breaking stories, Catholic perspective, intelligent Catholic guests and conversations, fun games, prizes, and all that and much more. Um, realestateforlife.org helps to connect people who are either buying or selling homes to support pro-life organizations like our own. And we're very grateful to realestateforlife.org for their generous support. There is a story out in the blaze that caught my attention. Of course, we the headlines, right? I mean, do you read the headlines? They'll make your eyes bleed. Every Monday, it's Tuesday, thankfully, but every Monday there's like a there's like a report of how many people were shot in the city of Chicago over the weekend. And it's always double digits. It's insane. But this week we had uh you know, this deadly shooting in South Florida at a concert. And there were other shootings across our country, unfortunately. Uh, violence is, is on, the, uh, on the rise uh, in a significant way at that. But there's a story out on the blaze. The headline goes, Firearm sales soared during the pandemic. New gun owners surged, especially among minorities and women. Uh, here's a little bit of the article. The coronavirus pandemic, along with the regular protests and riots in American cities, fueled a buying binge of guns across the nation. The uncertainty of 2020 spurred unprecedented gun sales in the United States, including a wave of new gun owners, especially among minorities and women. Last year ended up being the highest gun sales since the current record-keeping system went into effect, according to the USA Today. Gun sales skyrocketed 40% in 2020 compared to 2019 with a record of 39 million, uh, 39.6 million background checks conducted by Federal Bureau of Investigations. The gun buying surge has continued in 2021 in a major way. In January, which is when Joe Biden was inaugurated as president, U.S. gun sales soared 60% 
to 4.1 million, the largest single month since figures started to be recorded in 1998. That is a massive a figure. It's 60% over last year, and that's just so far. Um, I find this fascinating because of the level of uncertainty our times have brought. 2020, a global pandemic, right? I remember, you know, when the churches began to close in the 15 days to flatten the curve. Remember those? The 15 days? Like, or we all thought, okay, we don't know what we're dealing with here. 15 days. We can, we can do 15 days. We're kind of all on the same team here. We can do 15 days to flatten the curve. When that 15 days became more than a year, well, now we're asking questions. But so you had churches close. And, uh, and as I've said many times in the show, the highest feast day of the calendar, Easter, when the, when the Catholic Church decided it was not going to have a public celebration, Masses were still being said. They were just private masses. But when you weren't going to have a public celebration on the highest feast day of the calendar, uh, that, was, that was a turning point for me and for many. And then you start the riots. So you had the uncertainty of disease and death, and now you have riots and discord and violence and craziness. Then you have the 2020 election, the most contentious election of our nation's history, potentially. I mean, it's arguable, but at any rate... Gun sales skyrocket, and I remember it was May of 2020, and I was taking my two middle sons hunting on a trip uh, out west, and I stopped into a, a sports store to pick up some some ammo, and I remember seeing the, the the shelves completely wiped, and then it hit me. I'm like, oh, I haven't been paying attention. Like, where is the ammo? And and the 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 counter that has all the rifles behind it and the handguns wiped out. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then I realized it was more than just toilet toilet paper people were hoarding. In fact, it was more than just guns and ammo. It was also things like uh, deep freezers. They hoarded all the deep freezers too. You couldn't get a deep freezer uh, in a store anywhere near me. I had you, They were going used at like triple the price. It was... It felt a little otherworldly to me. And still, fast forward all these, uh, now all these months, and you go to the, some of these stores, they're still uh, sort of rationing the rounds. I mean, you go to the store, you have sometimes you have to wait an hour and a half for the store to open, and the first thing that gets sold and wiped out is whatever they had on the truck for ammo the night before. It's still a thing. And it, I think these kinds of stories, I, I own guns. I own several guns. I have lots of ammo for those guns. I hunt and uh, I provide for my family the, some of the leanest and most incredible meat uh, that God could provide through these means. And I use them for self-defense for my family. I see their need and their place. But do we trust in God more than we trust in uh, the ways of this world? Where do we place our trust? I find this very fascinating. Adrian, did you see this story? Yes, and uh, it's funny you that uh, you bring that story up because the we actually had someone comment on one of our videos, and they were saying how uh, just uh, addressing the story. They said uh, on our video, I think it was last Friday or maybe Thursday. They were saying, "Why are y'all talking about the uh, the issue of sodomy in the church?" 
and the issue of these immoral priests when you should be talking about the trillions of dollars that uh, people are spending on guns right now and all the people being murdered by guns. And I think this uh, this person is having a very um, skewed idea of of the of the morality of weapons is where, of course, murder is wrong. Everybody condemns murder. Uh, and that's and that's self-evident. And we punish murder. It's uh, not a crime that is that gets away scot-free in America. There's many crimes that you can get away with, like murdering babies in the womb. Uh, but murdering and uh, with a weapon is uh, with a gun is not one of those crimes that you can get away with in America. Well, the issue really is mortal sin. I mean, we should be uh, crying out against mortal sins, all mortal sins that would cause someone to go to hell for eternity. That is the real uh, that is the real struggle. That is the real scandal. So whatever that might be, whether it's sodomy or, or abortion or other mortal sins that we that we commit uh, on a fairly regular basis, I would argue, um, that would also include murdering people with guns, knives, cars, their hands uh, or other objects. Um, in this country, every day, there is lots of violence. I mean, look at the uptick of, of violence against Asian people. What is going on in our country where Asian people are being targeted in a specific way in places like New York or in California? Every single day, there are new stories out of people being attacked on the street, just innocently walking down the street, and they are attacked for the crime of being Asian. Why is that? Has anybody asked that question? So I, th- I would say to anybody who's struggling with the idea of just guns is you need to broaden your scope to, to mortal sin, whatever that might be, whatever form that takes, because that's as Catholics what we're very concerned about. Well, I think uh, with the uh, the idea of that is, I mean, it's true. Of course, we should all be concerned with mortal sin. But I think in a, in a, in a specific way, I mean, we can't spend all of our time. It kind of goes into the seamless garment theory where it's like, oh, well, all sin is equal. And that's, that's not true. Not all sin is equal. And so we, so we spend certain time talking about certain sins uh, because certain things are worse and some things are um, more effective or having more effect on the church and on society today. And so uh, those are the con- things that I think uh, we tend to focus on. But the uh, I think that's very important. One of the things that's concerning me, though, is the month of June. Uh, the month of June is traditionally known as the month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and uh, that's a beautiful devotion. If you never consecrated your home to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, I highly recommend if you can get your priest to come and bless your home and consecrate your home, or the father of your house doing it if you can't get a priest to come and do it. Um, that's amazing practice. Uh, but that's not what's concerning me. What's concerning me is that the uh, that the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, has been co-opted by the homosexualist agenda, the sodomy agenda. The LGBTQI2SAPPA agenda, which is the actual acronym that they use, it's not that's not an insult. Um, the that's the I, the whole I, the whole month has been co-opted to say, oh, we're uh, going to have a month dedicated to not what, not the Sacred Heart of Jesus, but the mortal sin, the chief of all sins, pride, which is the the pride goeth before the fall, literally, because that is the sin which had the the devil himself, Satan himself fall from heaven. It is a sin of Adam and Eve. It is a sin that is the root of all of our sins that we commit. And we're dedicating entire month dedicated to that sin instead of dedicating the month to the sacred heart of Jesus. And that's what's concerning me. That I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, it's interesting to see the co-opting that has gone on over the centuries, uh, you know, taking uh, something that has a sort of a sacred a sense to it, a sacred symbology or otherwise, and then using it for something 
uh, that would represent something far more nefarious or even mortal sin itself. Uh, the rainbow being another example of that. The rainbow that was set in the sky is a sign in uh, Genesis chapter 9 when Noah and his family finally landed on the on dry ground and offered a sacrifice. Their very first uh, you know, action was to give God thanks and praise and um, proper adoration uh, at the time by offering a sacrifice unto him for the gift of that he has given to humankind, saving mankind from total and utter destruction. And the sign of the sky would be the rainbow, and yet we saw that get co-opted. So, this doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, the devil is attacking, the, you know, theologians would often say the devil is the ape of God. He's sort of like the, he tries to be the photo negative of God whenever possible. So, we're seeing this attack deliberate, intentional against Our Lady, against Our Lord, against the Church, even even the Antichrist is going to pretend to uh, be resurrected from the dead and uh, try to ascend into, into supposed heaven in order to fool the masses into worshiping him as a god. Well, we, that's already happened. Jesus resurrected from the dead. Jesus ascended into heaven on the Shekinah glory cloud. So, the devil can try as he might, but in the end, he is slain with the word. He is slain with the two-edged sword from the very mouth of Jesus. So, uh, he loses at the end. So, all of this effort will be for naught, save one really tragic fact. Many souls will go uh, following these types of errors Many people will give themselves over to this horrible ideology, and they will uh, abandon faith and reason, and they will follow error, and that is a detrimental thing to their soul and to the souls around them. So, let us pray for a conversion, a conversion of heart, of mind, of body, and soul, of all that would be lost under this evil uh, pretense of, uh, of, quote, love, unquote. Love is a person, as First John 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 8 would say. And love died on a cross to save our souls that we might go to heaven. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We're on breaking news and stories. And Dan Leroy, American Catholic revolutionaries. Let's talk about that coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard it said that the church has been weak and ineffective? Well, G.K. Chesterton says the church has been so powerful and effective that it colored even the things it had not hoped to influence and changed its enemies as well as its friends. It affects everything it touches. It inspires a life-changing love from its friends and a self-destructive hatred from its enemies. Its enemies will do everything to destroy it, and they end up destroying everything, except the church. The Catholic Church, says Chesterton, has endured for 2,000 years, and the world within the church has been more lucid, more level-headed, more reasonable in its hopes, more healthy in its instincts, more humorous and cheerful in the face of fate and death than all the world outside. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. 
As Joe mentioned before, firearm sales have soared during the pandemic. New gun owners surged, especially among minorities and women. The Secretariat of State has not turned over financial control despite people mandate, Vatican officials charge. The Epic Times says Egypt's intelligence chief holds truce talks with Hamas in Gaza. Egypt's intelligence chief met Hamas leaders in Gaza on Monday to try to bolster a ceasefire between the Palestinian terrorist group and Israel to discuss reconstruction plans following the recent fighting. The visit was the first by an Egyptian intelligence chief to the enclave since the early 2000s. Eleven days of fighting between Israel and Hamas erupted on May 10th. Gaza medical officials said 253 Palestinians were killed during the fighting. Palestinian rockets and missiles killed 13 people in Israel. Following the meeting with Kamal in Gaza, Sinwar said there is a real chance for progress to be made on resolving the issue of prisoners, though he added that Hamas demanded those negotiations be held separately from the ceasefire talks. The Blaze says unvaccinated ticket buyers are charged 1K to enter Florida punk rock show. Vaccinated fans pay only $18. A Florida concert promoter insists he's not preventing unvaccinated fans from entering an upcoming punk rock show. Those without the COVID-19 jab absolutely can enter the VFW Post 39 in St. Petersburg to catch headliners Teenage Bottle Rocket on June 26. All they have to do is pay $999.99. As for fans who have been vaccinated, their tickets are only $18. Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' recent executive order saying businesses aren't allowed to make patrons prove they've been vaccinated against COVID-19. DeSantis also signed into law a bill threatening violators with fines in the thousands of dollars the Post reported. In reaction to Williams, $1,000 per ticket for unvaccinated concertgoers, the governor's office told the paper it's discriminatory. Charging higher ticket prices for individuals who do not furnish proof of vaccination unfairly discriminates against people who have enumerated rights under Florida law, Christina Pushaw, press secretary for the DeSantis office, told the Post in an email. LifeSite News says a vaccine researcher admits a big mistake, says spike protein is a dangerous toxin. New research shows the coronavirus spike protein from COVID-19 vaccination unexpectedly enters the bloodstream, which is plausible explanation for thousands of reported side effects from blood clots and heart disease to brain damage and reproductive issues. We made a big mistake. We didn't realize it until now, said Byram Brittle, a viral immunologist and associate professor at the University of Guelph in Ontario. In an interview with Alex Pearson last Thursday, he warned listeners that his message was scary. We thought the spike protein was a target, great target antigen. We never knew that the spike protein itself was a toxin and was a pathogenic protein. So by vaccinating people, we are inadvertently inoculating them with a toxin. Once in circulation, the spike protein can attach to specific ACE2 receptors that are on blood platelets and the cells that line blood vessels. When that happens, it can do one of two things. It can either cause platelets to clump, and that leads to clotting. That's exactly why we've been seeing clotting disorders associated with these vaccines. It can also lead to bleeding. Brittle also said the spike protein in circulation would recently um, explain the recent reported heart problems in youths who had received the shots. And those are your headline news. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Janelle.
for keeping us up to date. Uh, we're very grateful to you. I want to thank um, GloryAndShine.com, GloryAndShine.com for generously sponsoring our program. Uh, they are a Catholic-owned and operated family company that make personal care products like lotions and soaps and body mists and things like beard care, which I've been using their beard balm, and uh, I'm new to that game, so it's, I was very fascinated. But let me just tell you, because um, I personally purchased that stuff, it is beautiful. The packaging alone is just so incredible. So uh, I just want to thank GloriaAndShine.com for being a, a great sponsor of Catholic Drive Time. But uh, we link up all the sponsors of our program. Program and all of that information over on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT if you want the details. But joining us right now via Zoom chat is Dan Leroy. He is the author of a book called Liberty's Lions, The Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America, published by Sophia Institute Press. Good morning to you, Mr. Leroy. Good morning. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, this is a book uh, that I uh, I have not read your book, but this is right up my alley. I love history, all things history, especially Catholic history. And I know that when it comes to the American Revolution, uh, there's a lot of Catholic information that just doesn't get out. We all think of George Washington and and Paul Revere and uh, you know uh, the Adams and 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 Franklin. And we think of these people, all of which were not Catholic, uh, but the Catholics. What did they do? What didn't they do? These are fascinating questions. Can we start with the Catholics in the colonies before the war? What was life like for them? Absolutely. Well, to be a Catholic in the colonies for the 150 years or so before the revolution was to be a second-class citizen in every way. And that didn't matter which colony you lived in. It didn't matter if you lived in a colony like Maryland or Pennsylvania, where there was at least a promise of religious liberty. It didn't matter if you lived in a much more restricted place like New Jersey or New York. In hey, most cases, Dan, Dan, I hate to interrupt you. I'm really yeah. sorry, but we're having a really hard time hearing you. We're hearing a lot of background noise there. I'm going to ask you to stay on video, mute your video. I'm going to ask Adrian to get you on by phone. So we'll get audio by phone. It'll take our video by, by Zoom. This way we get a cleaner, uh, cleaner signal there. But Dan Leroy is our guest. Liberty's Lions, the Catholic revolutionaries who established America. Uh, I find it fascinating for a number of reasons. In my own study of, of uh, American history from a Catholic perspective, you know, it's a fascinating idea that the colony of Maryland could exist at all in a time when Catholics, especially priests, were being hunted down and uh, and uh, persecuted, prosecuted for just being Catholic priests in merry old England. Uh, they are able to have a colony where they could actually practice their Catholic faith in America. But there were many Protestants in America who did not like this. And in fact, they were being harassed, this particular colony, by these Protestants in neighboring colonies. So there was a lot of hit or miss going on. Not to mention, you had the Jesuits being suppressed during this time in Florida. You had uh, the black robes up in, up in, uh, uh, in, in, in the Huron country that were being uh, martyred for the faith. You had Franciscans out west to some degree successful and to other degrees turning their cheek on pagan practices among native peoples. So you had a lot of mixed uh, issues going on from a Catholic perspective in America. Then you have the revolution. Then you have the time where the colonies band together 
to uh, to try to fight for independence. And that is what our conversation is really about in this book. And the book itself is called uh, Liberty's Lions, the Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America. Uh, we're trying to get Dan on by phone so that we can have uh, sort of a cleaner conversation with him about this. But uh, let me just read a little bit of the description to you here. It says, Great Catholics were crucial to America's founding, America's founding, yet they were downgraded by most historians who never spoke their names. It says, thanks to an independent historian, Dan Leroy, who gets right, gets right to the point, the primary goal of this book is to gather together in one place and for the first time the significant contributions of Catholics to the American Revolution. The veteran writer-researcher does this in 12 chapters that flow like a screenplay and makes his electrifying case Catholics did something more remarkable than just support the Patriot cause they helped to lead. Dan, are you there? I'm here. Praise be to God. All right, that's way better. So uh, I was trying to give every while we were trying to get you connected by phone, I was getting everybody the backdrop on the sort of the pre-war era. Uh, Let's, since uh, sake of time, two minutes to break here, going up to the war, who were the major players from a Catholic perspective? One of the major players is mentioned in Liberty's Lions, and that's Charles Carroll of Carrollton. He's from Maryland. He's one of the richest men in America, but he's also one of the smartest men in America. He is the founding father. He's the only Catholic signer of the Declaration of Independence, by the way. But he is the only founder who sees clearly 10 years before the revolution, certainly much uh, sooner than any other founder, that revolution is not only inevitable, but that it is something that the colonies can actually win. And a large part of that is due to his Catholic faith. He understands this from a perspective of being a persecuted Catholic. He understands it from a perspective of Catholics who are seeking religious liberty in the colonies and who realize that the colonies have become something different than America. They're no longer bound exclusively by English law and English custom. They've created something different. They've created something that is friendly, potentially to Catholics. And it's why Charles Carroll of Carrollton saw very clearly that revolution was on the horizon. And again, he saw this before any of the other founders. Do you think there was a sentiment among Catholics, as I, as I mentioned when we were connecting you, uh, that this was a time when in England they were still hunting priests down and persecuting priests. So was there a sentiment among Catholics in America to say, yes, let's definitely put off the shackles of merry old England so that we might have freedom? Uh, well, I, I think there's some of that, but don't forget that uh, they were hunting down some priests in the colonies, too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, the promise of religious liberty was something that was often more theoretical than practical. Uh, on balance, I think what you say has some truth to it, that uh, it's kind of the case of the devil you know. Mm. That is, everyone had seen what it was like in England, where there are less than 1% of people who claim to be Catholics by this point. All right, hold that thought, uh, hold that thought. We're going to break. Dan Leroy is our guest. Liberty's Lions, Sophia, Sophia Supress, the Catholic revolutionaries who established America, coming up right after this very short break. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. If we are what we eat, do we really want to supersize it? One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In St. Benedict's Rule, a guide he wrote for living in monastic communities, he writes that the need for sustenance varies from person to person and with different times and different activities. Living by the rule, Benedictine monks watch both what we eat and when we eat. 
The goal is not to burden our bodies by taking as much as we can get, but to feed them just enough to build our bodies up for the task we have been given in life. In our lives of overabundance, St. Benedict's rule for moderation in food and drink is especially relevant. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. Next time you're tempted to supersize it, think about where God has placed you in life and right-size it. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be with you. Dan Leroy is on with us. He wrote the book, Liberty's Lions, the Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America, published by Sophia Institute Press. That's sophiainstitute.com. Welcome back to the program, uh, Dan. It's good to have you on. Uh, I want to jump to um, sort of like the main founding fathers and their take on on the Catholics during this uh, revolutionary period of our country. Um our country was founded by a lot of uh, big names that we all know and love these days, but a lot of people don't realize how connected these people were through uh, Freemasonry and the Masonic Lodge. How about the Catholics? I mean, it's a, it's against church teaching to be a participant of these uh, of these organizations. So, how did the Catholics fit into a, a group of people that were connected like this through these Masonic lodges? How do they cooperate with them at all? Well, one uh, way they cooperated with him is they, uh, in some cases, like the case of Daniel Carroll, uh, they uh, they actually joined the Masonic lodges uh, against oh. church teaching, and that uh, oh. that certainly caused a lot of people, including Daniel Carroll's brother, Father John Carroll, who was the first Catholic bishop and later first Catholic archbishop in America, caused him a lot of consternation. I can imagine. But outside of that. Uh, you know, as far as what the founders thought of, of these Catholics, uh, it, it really kind of ranges on a continuum. You have some folks, familiar names, as you say, uh, Alexander Hamilton, John Jay, Samuel Adams, who are pretty overtly anti-Catholic, and you know, we do have them on the record about that. Uh, then you have folks like John Adams, who uh, seem to be very puzzled by Catholicism. Then you have folks like Benjamin Franklin, who are at least circumspect about what they may or may not believe regarding Catholicism. The guy who really stands out, though, among all the founders is George Washington. That's why he gets his own chapter in Liberty's Lions. George Washington is a guy who is not just tolerant of Catholics uh, in word, but also in deed. Example would be in 1775 when he takes over the Continental Army. There's a tradition throughout the Northeast called Pope's Night. It sounds like a fun Catholic evening, but it really isn't. It's actually a very anti-Catholic event that allows people to get drunk in public and burn the Pope in effigy. When Washington takes over as commander-in-chief, he says, look, we're going to put the kibosh on this because we cannot expect uh, our fellow citizens who are Catholic to join our cause if we're going to insult them publicly 
in this way. And he does put the kibosh on it. And Catholics always remembered that, that Washington wasn't just a guy who talked the talk, but also walked the walk. So Washington, while a lot of Catholics would like to claim him as a secret Catholic, I don't know that the evidence really backs that up. But one thing that the book does try to prove is Washington, I think, was far more than this very disinterested deist who really wasn't that interested in religion, didn't have any particular beliefs. I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest the contrary. So Washington uh, among the founders is unique in that way. Would you say uh, John Adams and obviously Thomas Jefferson, they they were more of the deist and sort of disinterested uh, type of uh, founding fathers? I think that's probably true. You know, there's a lot of examples of that. Uh, Jefferson's Bible, where he cut and pasted all the parts that he liked and got rid of the stuff that he didn't. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of correspondence between the two of them that suggests this. On the other hand, we'll give John Adams uh, some credit. Uh, although he was fairly skeptical, uh, later on after the revolution, he becomes one of the subscribers that helps build uh, the first Catholic church in Boston. So uh, he, uh, he at least, uh, if, if nothing else, extended uh, the financial hand there. How did these found like George Washington or the Continental Congress, uh, most of which weren't Catholic, as we know, but how did they look at the uh, the savior of the revolution in many ways, which was the French? The, if without the French Navy in particular, uh, George Washington would have likely been lost in his cause. So uh, how did they look upon the French being so Catholic prior to the French Revolution, of course, and and yet still hold some anti-Catholic sentiments? Well, there's a great quote, speaking of founders who were fairly anti-Catholic, there's a great quote from Alexander Hamilton toward the end of the war when things are still hanging in the balance. And he, he writes in a letter, and I'm paraphrasing, but only a little, he says, oh God, if we're going to be saved, it's going to be the French and the Spanish who are going to have to save us. And uh, he was right about that. That's exactly the way it turned out, that the French and the Spanish uh, were the saviors. One of the things that's interesting, though, is you know, to go back to the whole reason about why Catholics and their contributions in the revolution are kind of downgraded. You know, the numbers will tell you that during the colonial period, there are 24 to 30,000 Catholics in the colonies at the time. It's less than 2%, and not all of them were patriots. So if you look at the raw numbers, you will say, well, how significant a contribution could this tiny percentage of people make? Uh, that's wrong on one level, because out of that small group of people came some of the most extraordinary leaders of the revolution. But when you figure in the foreign contributions, when you figure in, as you say, uh, the French military presence, the Spanish, the Polish, the Germans, there's an estimate in the book uh, and it's probably never going to be confirmed, but I think there's a lot of historical accuracy behind it that suggests that as many as 70% of the soldiers who fought on the side of liberty were Catholic. Wow. Now, once you do the math there, it gives you a, a very different picture to what we're used to hearing about the revolution and the Catholic part in it. Were there stories about Catholic Protestant uh, infighting within the Revolution or Continental Army? I don't think there's a lot of it. Uh, there's less than you would think. 
you yeah. know, given the uh, given the history, and we're talking again a uh, hundred fifty years of history in some cases prior to this in the colonies. There are certainly cases of Catholic and Protestant infighting all throughout the colonies, in particular uh, in Maryland and Pennsylvania, two colonies which were kind of founded on the promise of religious liberty. But once the revolution starts, everybody seems to more or less have adopted a pretty practical mindset. There is a, a common enemy here. There's a bigger goal. And religious infighting uh, is, is going to have to take a back seat. And as proof of that, uh, the only two places in the colonies where you could say a public mass prior to the Revolutionary War, those being Old St. Joseph's Church in Philadelphia and right down the street, Old St. Mary's, uh, some of the founders did worship there, mm-hmm. uh, including Washington, including John Adams. Uh, and there was actually at Old St. Mary's, which is the bigger church, there was a, a service held after the victory at Yorktown. Uh, so people were able, I think, to, to put some of these differences aside. Uh, certainly didn't solve all the problems, but you, you don't have a lot of reports of, of this kind of infighting that you're talking about. And again, I think it's because the bigger goal was such a huge goal, uh, such a goal that, that demanded everybody's full attention, that that kind of stuff really... Uh, Got swept under the rug, I believe, in most cases. Dan Leroy is our guest. His book is Liberty's Lions, the Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America, published by Sophia Institute Press. You can find it at sophiainstitute.com. I'm going to be picking up a copy. I'm very intrigued by this book. I haven't read it, but it's uh, my kind of book, let's just say. What about, uh, we have about four minutes left in our conversation with you, uh, Dan. What about the post uh Revolutionary War. Once we have established that we have independence, we've uh, successfully ousted uh, the uh, British Army from uh, uh, from uh, America. What was the relationship like with Catholics at that point? Uh, did uh, did things go back to sort of the colonial days where there was tension again, or or did we move forward with a new foot? Uh, we actually did both. Uh, the the post revolutionary period is a period of fairly calm relations between Catholics and Protestants. Catholics had won the respect in a lot of cases of their fellow Protestants, and Catholics post-war are starting on the very big project of building uh, an American Catholic Church, and that's largely the work of Father John, later Bishop John Carroll. Things don't start to become really tense again until the, the demographic in America changes a little bit later in the 19th century, once we start to see immigration really transform the face of the church and transform the face of our country, that's when you see a lot of the tensions return with the rise of groups like the Know Nothings mm. in the middle of the 19th century. And, you know, assimilating all of those folks from Italy, from Ireland, was a big, big job, and, and it certainly did create its share of tensions. Immediately following the revolution, though, things really were as calm and, and peaceful uh, as anybody had a right to expect that they would be following what had just occurred. Have you ever read John Spaulding's The Church of Liberty and the Culture? It is an incredible I have, work. I've not. 
Uh, 18, I think he wrote it in the, in the late 19th century, uh, and it, it talks about the, the anti-Catholic sentiment in our country at that time, just to kind of hit on what you just said. It's a great book. It's one of my prized uh, books in my library, and I would recommend it for sure. But we have just about two minutes left. I want to ask, what was the standout character in, in your book? What was like the, the, the one Catholic character in your book that you wanted to bring the most attention to? My favorite character in the book is probably Adrienne de Lafayette, the wife of the Marquis de Lafayette. Uh, as it says in the book, if there's a saint anywhere in the book, it's probably her. <laughs> she never set foot on American soil. So in one case, you'd say, you know, how, how is she a revolutionary? She made all the things that Lafayette did possible. Wow. She's an extraordinary woman who took her children with her. Uh, after the French Revolution to spend two years in prison with her husband because she did not want their family to be separated. And Lafayette, by his own admission, was not a great Catholic, not a great Christian, uh, but she never stopped fighting for his soul right up until uh, she was on her deathbed. We don't know whether she was successful, uh, but she was certainly a heroic figure who never Whoa. stopped, just like St. Monica. Well, we're out of time. We are out of time. You're going to have to buy the book to see how it ends, I guess. Uh, pick it up. It's Liberty's Lions, the Catholic Revolutionaries, Who Established America by Dan Leroy, published by Sophia Institute Press, sophiainstitute.com. Dan, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. All right. God bless you and God love you. And that is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Join us in the second hour. We have a a game show to play and new prizes involved this week. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord, Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19.16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. 
Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. You have survived your three-day weekend. Hopefully you marked Memorial Day in remembrance of those who lost their lives in service to our country, in service to liberty. Um, it should be a very solemn holiday. I know it's, a very, it's sort of a celebratory and casual holiday for a lot of us, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying time like I did with my, my family. Praise be to God. My father... Uh, is in town. We had a great opportunity to hang out with him uh, yesterday over the weekend, and today it's going to be uh, another opportunity for us. So we're very grateful for that. But we marked the day as a family by watching and talking about those sacrifices. We watched a, a film called Stubby, Sergeant Stubby. Great animated film about a real-life dog who served in World War One heroically, actually. And uh, I think he, the dog met two American presidents, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, great film, family-friendly film uh, about World War One. Sergeant Stubby, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. But the team is here, and we just wrapped up a great conversation uh, about uh, Catholics fighting in the American Revolution. Uh, the book was called Liberty's Lions, the Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America by Dan Leroy, published by Sophia Institute Press. Great conversation. So we're going to be posting that later today in uh, on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Rumble, all of those places, so you can find it there. Uh, but I, I regret that the beginning of that conversation was marked with um, audio problems, and we took us a minute or two to get, them, uh, get that resolved and get them on the line. But uh, once we did, it was a great conversation. So very excited to share that with you later. But uh, good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's good to have you back. Uh, now, uh, you, you, you made it through the first hour, your first official day as a part of the, uh, the team here. Uh, of course, you're going to be going back to school in the fall, but uh, we're going to have you hanging out with us over the summer. We're excited about that. Uh, how do you feel going into your second newscast, your second official uh, teammate newscast there? Oh, I, I definitely feel more relaxed than the first hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we joke about this. We were joking about this last week. It's just, if you feel like it's just reading the news. How hard could it be? And yet it's like, it's actually kind of oh, yes. hard. Oh, yes. Like, I think the first week I was like shaking um, <laughs> the, the, the few times I did the news breaks. Yeah, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing what, uh, 
the pressures that you can feel in just trying to get the news out there. I know reading the gospel or the saint of the day and other things, um, it's uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of that goes into it that we're just not aware of for the most part. So we're very grateful for you to spend the time, take the effort, and try to bring us with the latest news. And we're going to be having a news break here in a moment, but it's all good news in this hour. So praise be to God for that. But Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, it's good to be here as usual, and it's uh, it's a happy Tuesday morning. And I, I had a great weekend. I got to uh, go to. Louisiana to New Orleans, got to see the sites there. The uh, American Society for Defense of Tradition and Family Property let me stay at their place in New Orleans, and they gave me a grand tour of uh, all the churches. Well, not all the churches, all the the the, the best churches in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And it was a great time, very beautiful. Blessed Celos, who I'd never even heard of, was a is a from New Orleans or not from New Orleans, but died in New Orleans. Yeah, uh, amazing, amazing. Got to see his sternum is there. Wow, it was pretty cool. Yeah, we uh, we have his relic at the house. Uh, pretty sure it's a uh, chip of his bone. So we have a first-class relic of Celos. Yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, people don't know this. I haven't shared this yet, but I have a video, an expose coming out uh, about Adrian Fonseca. Now, Uh-oh. I haven't told Adrian this, but the actual who Adrian really is, what, what he's been hiding from us this whole time, uh, I'm about to expose him publicly in a video that I'll be releasing probably later today on youtube and on facebook and elsewhere so it's a scary thought yeah you know, you, i mean your your time of hiding in the shadows is over my friend uh, the truth is about to come it's like project veritas stuff it's that level yeah he came to my home and just started pointing cameras at me mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the problem was i wasn't there i was in louisiana <laughs> no i'm just kidding that would be uh, awkward <laughs> if that were true no uh, <laughs> I, joe sent me the, the video uh i think yesterday or over the weekend or sometime last week uh this over the weekend and I, I refused to watch it because I was terrified I, of what was on it. So yeah, I haven't seen the it truth. Yet. The so truth I'll, is on it, my friend. I'll watch it the whenever truth. everyone else watches it. The truth. The truth. We can all will, be scandalized be together. Yes, yes exactly. you can hide in the darkness, but the truth will drag you into the light, and there the, it will all be known. So that's coming out. So look forward to that uh, later today for sure. All right, let's pray. We're going to do the good news segment with Janelle. Then, of course, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and a gospel reflection generously underwritten by Veraboom.com forward slash GRN. Uh, Veraboom.com forward slash GRN is generously underwriting our gospel reflection today. And then we will do the Fear and Trembling game show. We have a brand new prize this week, a new opportunity, thanks to Proud Catholic company.com for sponsoring our fear and trembling this week so your opportunity to win a prize and you don't even need to know the answers to any of the questions that's coming up very shortly here all of that in this hour and then of course we're going to have an after show where we will conversate with you about whatever it is you would like to talk about all that coming up in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen remember oh most gracious virgin mary and never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. From Vatican News, Pope concludes month of prayer with rosary in Vatican Gardens. Pope Francis was joined by first communicants and young people who have been recently confirmed, as well as by newlyweds and expecting couples, scouts, families, and religious, as he prayed the concluding rosary for the month-long marathon of prayer. 
At the end of April, Pope Francis asked all Catholics throughout the world to pray throughout the month of May. Traditionally dedicated to the devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, for an end to the COVID-19 pandemic, and for a resumption of everyday work and social activities. Each day of the month, a different Marian shrine led the faithful in a rosary that was broadcast around the world. Pope Francis himself kicked off the month of prayer by leading the rosary from St. Peter's Basilica on May 1st, praying before an image of Our Lady of Help. On Monday, May 31st, the Holy Father chose the Vatican Gardens for the prayer, where an open-air shrine was prepared for the image of Our Lady Endure of Knots, to whom the Pope has a special devotion. Reuters reports on the three-child policy. China lifts cap on births in major policy shift. Married Chinese couples may have up to three children, China announced on Monday, in a major shift from the existing limit of two after recent data showed a dramatic decline in births in the world's most populous country. Beijing scraped its decades-old one-child policy in 2016, replacing it with a two-child limit to try to stave off risks to its economy from a rapidly aging population. But that failed to result in a sustained surge in births given the high cost of raising children in Chinese cities, a challenge that persists to this very day. The policy change will come with supportive measures which will be conducive to improving the country's population structure, fulfilling the country's strategy of actively coping with an aging population, the official Xinhua news agency said following a Politburo meeting chaired by President Xi Jinping. From the Hill, Texas Governor to veto state legislature funding after Democrats walked out. Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Monday said he will veto funding for the state legislature after Democrats staged a walkout the day before to prevent the passage of a sweeping elections bill. Texas Democrats walked off the state's House floor last Sunday night to block the passage of legislation that would add new obstacles for voting in future elections and limit the availability of certain forms of voting that are largely used by low-income and handicapped people. The walkout left the state house without enough members to present to reach a quorum, preventing Republicans from passing the legislation before the midnight deadline. The move came after House of Debate and procedural objections to Senate Bill 7, which passed the state Senate early Sunday morning and looked to be sent to Abbott's desk for signature. The bill, if passed by the state Senate and ultimately signed by Abbott, would ban drive through voting and impose state felony penalties on public officials who offer mail-in voting applications to voters who do not request them. It would also prohibit 24-hour voting, which was used by more than 100,000 voters in the 2020 election in Harris County, where President Biden won with about 56% of the vote. Additionally, the legislation would allow courts to overturn elections if the number of votes illegally cast in the election is greater to or or greater than the number of votes necessary to change the outcome of an election instead of having to confirm evidence of election fraud. And those are your headline news. The saint of the day is Saint Justin Martyr. Saint Justin Martyr was was born in 100 AD at Nablus, Palestine. He was a pagan philosopher who converted to to Christianity at the age of 30 by reading the sacred scriptures and witnessing the heroism and faith of the martyrs. He used his philosophical and oratorical skills to publicly dispute with pagans and explain his new faith. He became one of the first great Christian apologists. 
He later opened a school of public debate in Rome, Italy, and all this high-profile Christianity naturally brought him to the attention of the authorities, and he died a martyr. He was beheaded in 165 at Rome, Italy. Saint Justin Martyr, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Some Pharisees and Herodians were sent to Jesus to ensnare him in his speech. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you are not concerned with anyone's opinion. You do not regard a person's status, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or should we not pay? Knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought one to him, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They replied to him, Caesar's. So Jesus said to them, Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. They were utterly amazed at him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Even Caesar himself is made in the image and likeness of God, and therefore the most powerful man on planet Earth also had to give himself over to God. He probably failed to do so, but either way, all of us, without exception to the rule, must give to God what we owe him, our very selves. Adrian, what did you find? Well... You stole what I was about to say. Praise so, be to God. Well, let's go to break great. then. Let's just go to break. That was great. No? Mm-mm. That was no? wonderful. Uh, okay, so I had two things. You took one of them. I might still mention it. Uh, so Cornelius Lapide actually had quite a bit to say about it, but I highlighted two things. And uh, one of the things was he said, uh, quote, The rights which belong to Caesar are different from those which belong to God. Political obligations are not adverse to religion. Neither is religion adverse to political duties. Now, this is important to note because what he's saying here is you can still be a good Christian and a good person in your nation. You can be a good American and a good Catholic. You can be a good Polish person and be a good Catholic. Uh, in your nation, you can still be uh, loyal to your country while still being loyal to Christ. You can give them give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. That's very important to note that the duties do not necessarily conflict, and when they do, of course, God triumphs. Now, the second point that Cornelius Lapide points out, he says, quote, We are bound to render unto God the things of God, our body, soul, and will. For the coin of Caesar is in gold, in which his image is engraven, but God's coin is man, in whom is the image of God. Give your money then to Caesar, but keep for God the consciousness of your innocence. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying that, if we should give uh, to Caesar what is Caesar's in the same way that we as Americans today will give to the U.S. government the dollar which has the U.S. Sim- symbols on them. Uh, so how much more do we give to God what belongs to him and what belongs to him? Well, we as man, we are uh, made in the image and likeness of God. And so uh, Cornelius Lapide says that we are the coin of God. Because God has created us as the the pinnacle of his creation. We are the coin of God. And on us, just like if you look at, I think of the analogy of Toy Story, uh, you have 
uh, Andy's toys all have on his foot his name, Andy, written on them. They have Andy written into their very being. And so, too, do we, as man, have God written into our very souls. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you. Verbum.com forward slash GRN for generously underwriting our gospel reflection today. Verbum.com forward slash GRN. All right. The phone lines are open and we are ready to play our game. Prizes are involved and you don't even need to know the answers to the questions to win. Here is the phone number. First caller gets to be the contestant. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. But Fear and Trembling, we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share this publicly with anyone. Okay, so keep this between us. But there are a few things we like to do on this game show segment. One is teach a little bit about the faith and 
I'll get it out eventually. It'll all come out. Uh, we like to teach a little bit about the faith, and so that's always fun. You always learn something you didn't know before. And second, we like to have a laugh in the process. We don't take ourselves all that seriously sometimes. So uh, the contestants tend to be good sports and a lot of fun, and they laugh along with us. Praise God. And then, of course, we give out prizes, and this makes it a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. If you're just joining us trying to figure out what in the world is going on here, well, uh, we have three Catholic trivia questions. They're official questions. I'm showing the camera the questions right now. Uh, but the deal is I don't ask the caller. So the caller does not even need to know the answers to these questions to be a winner. Because I will ask Janelle. I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right. The other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more? Do they trust Janelle or Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Now, we will pull out a winner on Friday and announce that live over the uh, radio. Uh, but the, the sponsor this week is ProudCatholicCompany.com. ProudCatholicCompany.com has generously given us uh, an opportunity to give away one of their beautiful Our Lady Guadalupe shirts to the winner this week. So we'll be pulling that prize out, as I said, on Friday and announcing it, and then they will get that in the mail. Praise be to God. All right, that is how the game is played. That is everything that's going down today. Let's go to the phones. If you tried to call in today, thank you. Praise be to God. Thanks for calling in. But uh, uh, Rhoda, good morning to you. Thanks for calling in our program. No, it's Rhonda. Rhonda, good morning to you. Thank you for being a part of our program. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We're very grateful for you. Now, you're from Houston, right? Yeah, yes, uh, from Houston. Uh, I go to St. Uh, Francis Cabrini Ooh. Catholic Church. Very nice. And <laughs> That's where I was baptized. Uh, now, Ron- oh, now yes. Rhonda, you, you've been listening. You know how this game is played, right? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I do. Yes, sir. And I know Jesus Robles. He's my friend, too. <laughs> yeah, praise be to God. A friend of the show, yes, Jesus Robles. Now, he's not around today. I'm not sure what he's doing. We'll have to figure out if he's... Jesus uh, said that he listens. Uh, sometimes he uh, listens on the app and not able to comment. But he okay. said he's always listening. He's always listening. Yeah. Well, Rhonda, we're excited you're about to play the game. You know the <laughs> rules. You know how tricky uh, Janelle is now. She's really learned how to be super <laughs> tricky. And then, of course, Adrian is always sneaky. And you just got to care- carefully pay attention to what he says. And then I think it'll all go well. But hi, I, however, like- am your friend. I, however, am on your side, just Don't so you know. Him. Just so you know. That's, a, that's, a, that's okay. Y'all can fool me. I ah, fun. Very good. All right. Let's play the game. Y'all can fool me. Janelle, we will start with with you are you ready oh i'm ready are you sure yes sir are you sure yes sir trick question janelle can you tell me simultaneous celebrations of mass by more than one priest consecrating the same bread and wine into the body and blood and soul and uh, divinity of our lord and savior jesus is called what what do Mm. we call that some simultaneous celebrations of Mass by more than one priest consecrating the same bread and wine. I'm going to go with multiverse. Multiverse. Mo- multiverse. Multiverse. Yes. Hmm. Is that because there's multiple people saying the verses? Oh, yeah. That's okay. that totally why. Hmm. Let's, let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me simultaneous celebrations of Mass by more than one priest consecrating the same bread and wine at the same time is called what? Uh, yes, that would be a uh, con celebration. Mm-hmm. A con celebration. Yes, sir. Mm. 
Also, Jesus just texted me to let me know he's listening. All right, praise be to God. All right, so Adrian is on the hook for con celebration, and Janelle is on the hook for multiverse. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Rhonda, what say you? Oh, goodness. I think I'm stumped. Uh, Adrian. <laughs> Survey says. Well, well done. Well done. Duh. Yeah. Oh Praise be to God. Yeah, you did Duh. it. Rhonda, very good. Multiverse oh, is, of wow. course, uh, what is that's like? That's like it's like a Father Spitzer's universe thing going on over there. The multiverse is yeah, Mul- like multiple universes, or yeah, what are we talking about here? There are several universes. And now, they, uh, bonus trick question. Bonus trick question. So you have the Nova Sordo uh, con celebration is very, very normal and happens a lot in the Nova Sordo. In the traditional form of the mass, however, when is the only time you you will see a con celebration, Adrian? Yes, that would be at the ordination of a priest. That's the consolidate with his yeah. bishop. The only time I have witnessed that one time in my oh. life. It is beautiful, but uh, oh. you're in the cup, Rhonda. Congratulations, <laughs> you've you've made it <laughs> into the you. coffee cup of divine providence. Let's see if we can increase your chances oh, here. Thank Let's you. go thank to a uh, uh, second question, Adrian. We'll go to you this time. Oh, that's dangerous, Adrian. Can you tell me to take God's name in vain? Is what type of sin? To take God's name in vain is what type of sin? Uh, that would be a... Um, hmm. I'm going to say that is a mortal sin. A mortal sin. Yep. Seems reasonable. Let's just see what uh, Miss Janelle has to say. Janelle, can you tell me to take God's name in vain? What type of sin is that? Hmm, I'm going to go for the opposite. I'm going to say that it's a venial sin instead. Interesting, interesting. So, Janelle is on the hook for venial, and Adrian is on the hook for mortal. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Rhonda, what say you? Um, Adrian. Are you sure? I'm so sorry. Oh, oh I, t- I warned you. I feel like in my I defense, knew. I know. I feel like I should defend myself here because I warned you. Hey, like I gave say, you I'm- lots of heads up here. Adrian is sneaky. That's why. That's why we are that's releasing. Question, we are releasing the undercover video footage that we have of him today. <laughs> Uh, Exposing Adrian Fonseca. The truth will be revealed. I'm fooled. I'm fooled easily. (laughs) That was a hard question. It was a hard. It was tricky. It wasn't fair. I mean, I would say if I had to be asked that question, I didn't look up the answer already uh, because I have the answers in front of me. Uh, I would have said Uh mortal. I would. Why, Adrian? Do we say venial versus mortal? Yeah, honestly, I don't know what what the thinking is here specifically. They don't give us the reasons. But if I had to guess. I would say that uh, usually when God's name is used in vain, it's not mortal because of uh, mitigating circumstances. People will often say after like stubbing their toe or something like that. So it's not intentional blasphemy. Uh, an intentional blasphemy of God of taking his name in oh, vain would be a mortal sin. Um, but I would say typically when most people use our Lord's name in vain, it's venial because it's usually involuntary or habitual. It's, a, it's out of a bad habit. Okay. Okay. Well, that we got to... Let's go to the third question. You're already in the cup, so you could already win this game. But let's see again. Let's see if we can get you into the cup again for a second time here. Rhonda, this last question I think is fairly straightforward, but we'll see. Uh, Back to Janelle here. Janelle, can you tell me what 
is a canonically erected, self-governing uh, monastery of at least 12 monks or nuns called. A canonically erected... So it's got some gravitas by canon law. It's self-governing, a monastery of a, at least 12 monks or nuns. What would we call that? Oh, I know this because I mm-hmm, want to join mm-hmm. one. Okay. Uh-huh. It's a convent. A convent. A convent. Hmm. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, what is a canonically erected, a self-governing monastery of at least 12 monks or nuns called? Yes, that would be an abbey. An abbey. An abbey. Yes, hmm. sir. All right. Adrian is on the hook for abbey. Janelle is on the hook for convent. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Rhonda, what say you? Oh, goodness. I know I'm going to get fooled again, but let's see. Uh, Janelle. Are you sure? Are you sure? Uh, Adrian. Survey says. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Why is that done? That's a hard question. Is that hard? That's a really hard question. Was it hard? The answers were hard. Did you think that was hard? Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Truth be told. It is an abbey, in fact, yes. an abbey. So you were right. Okay. You were right. You were wise to uh, reconsider your <laughs> your your decision there well, at the end. You. Well, thank you chances. for being on my side. <laughs> <laughs> for being on our, on our side. <laughs> See, I told you. I, however, am on your side. But look at them. Look how look how sneaky they made their answers to and be so you, close. And I know you're not. Li- I know you're not lying about that because imagine all the guilt you would just. Feel, you know, about that. That was a great. That was a great passive aggressive play there by Rhonda. I kind of got that from the from the movie A Christmas Story. Amen. When the teacher when the teacher guilt tripped the class. (laughs) All right, Rhonda, we're going to put you on hold, but that's going to do it for hour number one. Join us in the after show by being on YouTube or Facebook or one of the video streams. You can even watch live right on our webpage at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We will chat with whatever you want to talk about. I think Bishop Strickland's on tomorrow, so if we don't hang out with you in the after show in a minute... Well, we'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for Catholic Drive Time. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome to the after show where we conversate with you about whatever it is that's on your mind, your heart. You get to drive the conversation just leaving a comment, letting us know where you're from, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, of course, we like to hang out with you. If you're new here and you've never commented before, please let us know by commenting. Because first-time commenters, well, they get extra love and attention uh, because we're very grateful for extra our first-time commenters. We're very, very happy that you're here. So, and if we throw around a lot of like inside jokes because, you know, the super fans are always hanging out and, and chatting with us every every day. 
Uh, well, you know, call us out on that, too. We would love to explain to you all of our inside jokes as well, because you're a part of the family just like everybody else. So praise be to God for that. Uh, that was fun. Uh, Rhonda was uh, a good sport and a lot of fun to hang out with us and and chat uh, and uh, go over those questions for the Fear and Tribbling Game Show. So I'm very happy with Rhonda being so much fun. Uh, Mike K., good morning to you over on YouTube side. Tammy, good morning to you. Praise be to God. It's good to see you here. Eric Rodriguez, William Hemsworth, it's good to see you back. Christopher Velasquez, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Boy, it seems like uh, the uh, there's, I think people are all still on vacation, maybe. Still on a uh, extended weekend, possibly. Lori, good morning to you. Christopher Chance, good morning to you. It's good to see you guys here. Gloria, good morning to you. Praise be to God. I'm glad you're here. Joaquin, glad to see you, my friend. Uh, Don, good to see you. Praise be to God. And then let's see who else. I know there was someone else here. Maybe it was on on this Bruce Toman. Sonia Morales. Is Sonia a first-time commenter over on GRN's Facebook page? Um, hmm. I am looking hmm. for the Sonia person. Morales. She mentioned your name. So oh. I don't know if uh, Buddy Kane, good morning to you. Semper Fi, my brother. It's good to have you back here, of course. Um but I Sonia, I wonder if Sonia is a first-time commenter. I don't know. Huh. If you are, let us know. Now, um, Bruce, was Bruce, in, uh, as well as some other people, said they enjoyed third. But what, is, what, would we give, what would we give to a third-time commenter? Hmm. So horns is what goes to the second-time commenter. What goes to a third-time commenter? The Twilight Zone music, you think? <laughs> that would be your choice? Is Twilight Zone music? Hmm. Or the X-Files. What happened to my come on, man? Why did you turn the volume down on come on, man? Uh, I didn't. The volume's just down in general. I'm going to have to go into the computers and uh, up the volume on come on, man. Oh, that one's better. I like that one better. No, I just turned the volume back up. Oh, I see. Uh, Ginger is a ginger. A first-time commenter. That person I do I do not recognize. Uh, welcome to uh, commenting. And Sonia's third comment, praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you for commenting. We're very great. Bruce said quantum quantum substantiation. Quantum substantiation. That's pretty funny. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Gloria says we are in Huto Sat. Where? What? Saturday. Saturday. Uh, Huto, where is Huto? I don't even know where Huto, Huto is. Went to Mass Sunday and met Abby Johnson. Oh, cool. How cool is that? Had a great conversation with her. That's pretty fun. Just got my handgun permit, state of New York. Wow, they let you have one in New York? I didn't realize that was still a thing there. Still have not purchased a firearm. Now, New York City, I, I, okay, so, Maureen, clarify. New York has pretty restrictive gun laws in general. I know New York City is, like, darn near impossible. Uh, maybe you can clarify and help us understand that better. She says, uh, not purchased a firearm, looking for the right fit, tough to find ones, ones to try out in my hand. Now... I know in the state of the great state of Texas, the People's Republic of Texas, we can go to like uh, uh, firing ranges, gun dealers and firing ranges that are usually uh, gun dealers who have firing ranges, and they will often let you rent uh, certain firearms so you can try them out so you can make a more informed decision on a purchase for sure. So, uh, you know, we were talking about that in the What's Concerning Us section about the increase in violence and the increase, uh, the 60% over last year in, in firearm sales. And um, 
you know, it begs the question, how out of all of these people that are rushing to buy firearms who've, and by the way, more and more liberals who've never owned a firearm before and were against firearms, they're flocking to buy firearms. Why? Because defund police has also contributed to an escalation in violence across our country, and they're very concerned about their safety and the safety of their loved ones and family members. But the question is, when you buy a firearm, are you trained? Do you know how to fire it? Do you know what you're doing? Do you go to the firing range? Do you shoot it? Do you, are you comfortable with it? Are you safe with it? Do you understand how, do you, how it operates and, and what will happen to, if you pull the trigger irresponsibly? I think those are incredibly responsible things that we must do if we're going to own firearms. Buying the thing is one thing. Owning it and properly using it is quite another, and we have a, a responsibility in that regard. So, um, at any rate, if you want to talk about that, I'd love to chat about that more. Mike says on YouTube side, Joe, I watched your amazing documentary, The Other Side of Fear. My poor wife walked into my study and saw me weeping. Powerful stuff. Thank you, and God bless you. I probably won't watch it again. (laughs) Adrian, please ensure Joe he knows how much I appreciate it. It matched my Memorial Day mood. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. You're making me cry, brother. I appreciate it. Um the Lori said, what's the difference between an Abbey and a convent? And uh, since I saw your comment, I've been looking it up because I actually I have no idea. Uh, there's a lot of different words that we use uh, to describe different communities. We have cloisters, convents, monasteries, nunneries, abbeys, priories, um, and much, much more. And they are all referring to different things. An Abbey is um, specifically... Okay, so I guess to start with convent, actually. A convent is actually just another word for, like, a monastery. And so it's a secluded area where people, uh, religious, go to be secluded from the world. And uh, that's what a convent is. Now, and uh, you'll have convents. Most people think that convents refer specifically to women orders. That's not true. It actually uh, applies to both men and women orders. It just depends on where in the world you are. Um, the French will refer to them both ways. Uh, in the Dominican tradition, the Dominican convents, they will call the, the male and female ones convents. An abbey is a type of convent or a type of monastery, an abbey rather, that has an abbot or an abbess. So an abbey can be a male abbey and, or, or a female abbey. And, uh, and so it just the, the thing about it is that it, it, they have an abbot or an abbess. And essentially an abbot or an abbess is, is essentially, not actually, but essentially the bishop of that convent. Um, and so they have basically all the authority of a bishop. Obviously, if you're an abbess, you don't have the uh, role of a bishop because you can't be ordained. But they actually carry a crozier. Uh, the abbess does even. And so, uh, but it faces inward. Instead of outward, so if you need to see a bishop, he usually has his crozier facing outward towards the people because it shows that his authority is outside, whereas an abbot or an abbess has their crozier facing inward to show that their authority resides within the abbey. Um, so it's actually kind of a confusing question. Then you also have priories, which are uh, meaning basically like they're tiny abbots or tiny abbesses, uh, abbeys, and so they're uh, smaller areas. They don't have as many people. I think canonically you have to have... I think six uh, people uh, in order for you to have a priory, uh, if I remember correctly, and uh, those and they could just be any religious community that have that live together. Yeah, so hopefully that now, answers your question. Pop quiz: Which abbey is the only abbey, as far as I know, the only abbey on earth to have Our Lady as the abbess? That would be the uh, one in Quito, Ecuador. Yes, yes I forget yes, the name yes. of the sisters. 
You need to look them up. You need, I mean, you need to read that story. You need to uh, research that. Her, the prophecies, the stories, the mystical encounters that came out of uh, Mother down there was like mind blowing, <laughs> incredible, just incredible. I highly recommend you do the research on that particular Abby. It'll blow your mind. Now, uh, Betty, Betty asks Adrian, when does when does it become an order? So, when does a community become an order? So that's uh, also a really good question. The So there are different canonical statuses of things. We kind of colloquially just say that all people who are not secular priests are part of an order. That's not necessarily true. Um, so, okay, so I guess I should define what a secular priest is. A secular priest is not a derogatory term. It does not mean that a priest is like being – living um, – is secular meaning oh that's a worldly priest now that it's not it's not a derogatory term it refers to a priest that lives in the world so secular coming from the word secular so like in, whenever we say in latin in secular secularum uh and for world without end uh, it's, it just means the world so the secular priests are usually dawson priests that live within the world and act within the world religious priests are those who take vows of poverty chastity and obedience and so if you take those vows you are a religious priest so a common thing is they'll refer to the fraternity the fssp the fraternal society of saint peter as a religious order that's not technically true because they do not have um they do not they do not take the vows of poverty chastity and obedience neither do secular priests people often think that all priests take those vows that's not true they take vows of obedience to their local bishop and under that obedience to their bishop is the poverty, chastity, and obedience in a sense. But they don't take the vows specifically of poverty, chastity, and obedience. A religious order is a specific canonical status that you can apply for to the Holy See. Uh, traditionally, you would apply to your local bishop, and they give you permission to start an order in your diocese. And then as it grows, you get permission onward and upward uh, in that way. But there's different categories of communi- religious communities. So you can have a society. You can have a fraternity. You can have canons, like the canons regular St. John Cantus, like the Institute of Christ the King, which are canons. And a canon essentially is priests that basically live within a um, at a church and are dedicated to the liturgy, uh, namely the divine office. And uh, they are basically at that church and going to work at that church, and it's a community of people. It usually would happen a lot at cathedrals. Um, and from there, you also have monks, which are different. They, so they, a monk can be part of religious order or they could be separate. You have hermits who are individuals who can be part of religious orders, but are not necessarily part of religious orders. So it gets kind of confusing. And that's why colloquially people just say, uh, just refer to them all as orders. And you also have communities that are, uh, not technically orders, but are in the process of becoming orders, but they're currently living as if they were in order. Uh, so it, yeah, it, it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot and you get into the canonical status of things. Um, but yeah, eventually once it's approved by your local bishop and now do the new rules that Pope Francis put in place a few months ago, when you get approval from the Holy See is when you become officially in order or whatever it is that the community that you're applying, you're, um, you're trying to create. Yeah. Amen. Praise be to God in all things. Um, clear as mud, clear as mud, as they say. Yeah. Praise be to God. All right, let's see who else. What else? Background checks and references in the state of New York. Now, someone else, I think it was Betty, somebody's mentioned that you can get, you can get, uh, Adrian, no, 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 where is, where, so upstate New York, it's hard to get a license, but long guns are owned by many. Now, what's interesting is, I know in many states, I don't think it's this true for all states, but in many states, there is no requirement for a license to carry a long gun. In other words, a hunting rifle, AR-15, 
something like that. You could strap that thing to your back and walk around and be perfectly legal. Uh, it's handguns that are highly regulated. Um, so I wonder if New York is that way. But I know in New York City, it is like, it's super hard to get. Like Washington, D.C., it's impossible. You're not allowed to have hand, you know any weapons in those places. So I know some states are way more restrictive uh, than others. And I know New York is among them, so I can imagine it's hard. But even owning the gun is one thing. Getting ammunition is quite another. Quite another. Now, Radical Troll is definitely got to be a new commenter. I don't think I've ever definitely. seen Radical I have ne- Troll. I have never seen Mr. Radical Troll. What an excellent name. Is that, did, uh, is that your baptismal name? Uh, it, the question is, is Radical Troll really Adrian, his private uh, anonymous account? Because he's singing Adrian's praises. So I'm wondering here what's, going, what's really going down. He um, also said the statue behind uh, Mr. I guess he's referring to you, Joe, is it is a Jesus, but no cross. And at Protestant churches, it's cross, but no Jesus. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not. A th- we're not making a theological point by the cross, the corpus behind Joe. It's just that uh, Jesus Robles, who brought it, he purchased this and had it uh, made in Mexico, but he only had the corpus made. And so it needs to be attached to a cross. Um, but it's not, there's no theological point being it, well, made by, it, well, without it. To some degree, there is a theological point being made. And if you could put it on camera, there is a camera in front of it. I don't know if you, you have access to that one, Adrian. But at any rate, uh, the reason why Mr. Jesus Robles has not put this on a cross is because he wants it displayed in its full uh, agonizing glory. He wants to d- depict, uh, show the, the wounds of Christ suffered for us. Like, look at the kneecaps. Uh, those are wounds that go on uh, sort of like the unsung uh, wounds of Christ that we don't talk about very often, or the wound to the shoulders, the, uh, you know, carrying the cross, the, the, the wound that he suffered, he just carrying the cross, uh, the scourge marks and, and whatnot. He wanted to put this uh, corpus on display so that you would see the, the, the sheer gravity of what Christ suffered for our salvation. Um, and he wanted it to be 360 degrees because if we were to turn this statue around or show you by camera the backside, you would see that the back is also highly scourged. So he is allowing us generously to put this on display in our studio so that more people would experience this rather than it being stuck someplace with a limited crowd. Now, behind Janelle is another st- uh, statue called the Scourged Jesus. Uh, it's it's also equally uh, incredible, and it uh, displays what our Lord looked like pro- af- right after the scourging, before he was taking up his cross to march towards Calvary. So and that's harder to see. We don't have a camera so close, and it's a little. We don't. We, we need to turn the light on in front of it so we can um, bring more light and detail out because it's sort of stuck in the shadows a little bit there. But a powerful statue nonetheless. Uh, let's see here. Um, Mike K., I would love to get one of those. They are they are a great reminder. Amen. Yeah, the scourging was a death sentence, and that was driven home to me when I saw the Passion of the Christ. Amen. Now, I, what I found fascinating was we interviewed uh, a gentleman who wrote a book on the on the suffering of Christ, and that was at right around Good Friday, right? I mean, that was like Holy Week, was it not? When it we was interviewed him, Holy Week. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name. I'm scrolling through our back catalog here so I can get his name. I can't remember his name. He was a medical doctor. Yeah, his book. Oh, was, I got it right here. You got, I got it right here. Okay. So the interview. I'm going to post a link to it. It says, uh, let's "See, copy link." It says, "How did Jesus really die?" And what I found fascinating. I'm going to post a link here. Here is the video. I'm going to just do this while I'm talking. Um, 
one of the things he points out in his research, and this was a medical doctor who looked at the evidence. Uh, he's not the only one to have done this. A Doctor at Calvary is another great book that does so, something very similar to this. The Doctor at Calvary is a little older than this particular book. So I just posted the interview link. And um, he pointed out how they would be they would be this vigorous, but they would try to avoid being too vigorous around the intestines because if once you pierce the intestines, basically they would be die they die you know after that. And by the way, that would be a very painful, excruciating death is to die through a puncture and uh, to the intestines. So um, I found that very fascinating, uh, and that I just posted a link to the interview so you can see it for yourself. Yeah, my friend um, Marty Matulia, he uh, purchased that book for me, and so I read it, and uh, after reading it, I was like, oh my goodness, we should have this guy on the show. So uh, we, I booked him for it, and it was, uh, it was a great guest. He's very interesting. Yeah, praise be to God. A trivia question. What was the worst pain Jesus endured during his entire passion? The suffering, the uh, bearing of the sins of mankind. Yes, so literally, uh, so I was told by someone over like a couple weeks ago that the worst pain Jesus endured was his shoulder pain, his sh the shoulder which he carried the cross upon. So mm. quite literally, carrying the weight of our sins was his worst pain. Now, the doctor at Calvary, and again, I don't remember who wrote that one. It's an older book. I don't even think it's in print anymore. The author had been interviewed numerous occasions on Catholic Radio, Catholic Answers in particular, so if you could, you could go to Catholic.com and probably search for a doctor at Calvary and you probably would find the old interviews and some information. But one of the points he would make, he looked at the Shroud of Turin, he looked at the, the face cloth uh, of Oviedom, and he analyzed the, the liquid formations on the cloths and analyzed the blood types and matched them up. And he actually matched up the shapes of liquid formations on the cloths. So you could see that they would match and actually one cloth did go to the other cloth because the, the stains would match in size and dimension and, and orientation. Uh, it was very fascinating. But he also talked about there is a wound that never gets mentioned. And that is a wound in the, um, in the rectum from the cross, um, sort of like, uh, I don't want to be too graphic and I don't really want to describe it. Look it up, but it disgusted me when I heard him talk about that. He said it was very common among crucifixion victims that there would be a, a wound, um, uh, sort of like an impaling uh, on the cross. Very, very crazy. Very, very tragic. And all of that to say... We, when we look at a crucifix, usually at a Catholic parish, the crucifixes are very sanitized. I call them Abercrombie and Fitch. You know, they're very sanitized, and um, they can inspire piety, of course. It's still possible. But if you really want to see the, the gravity of the sacrifice, the gravity of saying, yes, uh, let this cup pass for me, but not my will, thy will be done. Well, this this is, you know, more along the lines. I can't say it's 100% perfect or accurate. That's not the goal. But uh, it is. it does e evoke in you sort of the gravity of the of the sacrifice and commitment that, the, that our Lord made for, for saving our souls. Powerful stuff, nonetheless. Uh, let's see. Mr. Anderson's back on. Praise be to God. Good morning to you from Florida. It's good to uh, have you back on. Do you believe in the authenticity of the cloth? I do. I don't, know, I don't know about the rest of the team here, but I definitely believe in the authenticity of the cloth. Uh, Adrian, what about you? Um, the, the Shroud. Oh, the Shroud. Turin. The Shroud of Turin. Yes. Uh, I am incredibly convinced of the Shroud of Turin. I was 
uh, skeptical for a while, but I looked into it further, and I, to me, I, I listened to a lot of the skeptics of it, and then I listened to a lot of the defenders of it, and after looking at it quite a bit, I was really convinced that it, it doesn't make sense, except that it be a miracle from God. Uh, so I, I'm very convinced that it that is real. Um, yeah, so that that's my position. I, I'm actually reading an article right now on from Eric Sammons, and it's super fascinating. Um, he just went uh, downgraded to a dumb phone. He got rid of his smartphone, <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I should do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's super interesting. He's like, yeah, the biggest thing is uh, no GPS. And I'm like, yeah. Now he hard. now he has that's to hard. call Google uh, and tell them where he's at all the time and yeah, what he's, he's up to. He's gonna have to go get a Garmin. <sighs> yeah, college, you wish. Uh, yeah, dumb phones. Uh, that's a whole thing, you know. People are actually going to de-Google devices. Uh, there's a whole uh, wave of folks on online who are teaching others how to de-Google themselves, de-Facebook, and all this stuff, and really strip down to technology that is not traceable and trackable by the big tech overlords. We're going to go back to pigeon carrier. Pigeon carriers. carriers. Wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) I'll train my parakeet. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That'd be hilarious. Christopher Chan says, There is a striking connection between the Shroud of Turin and the original painting of the Divine Mercy under St. Faustina's supervision. Apparently, the facial features on both images match when placed over the top of each other. Yes. Yes, they do. I think um, it's legit. I think it's pretty legit. The Shroud of Turin is amazing. Uh, it's similar. You know, there's so many uh, qualities to it that are unexplainable. And it's fascinating because you get naysayers who really want to prove it, um, to prove it's, uh, you know, like total fabrication. And yet they can't get over the fact that the image itself exists uh, above the cloth. It, the actual fibers of the image aren't touched by the the you know the fibers of the cloth aren't touched by the image itself so it how do you explain that you would need you would need a power source that's well beyond our capability even today in order to try to recreate this uh, this image it's just impossible and they always find new new findings on it as well every time they're allowed to examine it they find something new and interesting that they didn't even know before uh so the data is pretty pretty phenomenal to me and the fact that our Lord has given us an image of himself all the, from 2,000 years ago, it's just, it's mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing. Glenn, Glenn, Trey hands on board. Good morning to you, Glenn. Thanks for sharing our video, by the way, Glenn. I'm very grateful to you. And Patty did too. Praise be to God. Thanks for everybody who shares our content. It really makes a big difference to us. You know, Bruce sent me an email over the weekend. I haven't uh, fully read it yet, but he was trying to point out how um, the shadow banding is, is real. And how he signed up to get notifications, and yet he's not getting all the notifications he's supposed to be signed up for. Whenever we go live, he's still not getting it all. And we're seeing that. Like on YouTube, for instance. YouTube should be performing 10, 20, 30 times better than it is, and doesn't. And there's a variety of reasons. Some of it's stuff that we can control, and some of it's also because they don't like the topics we cover, and so we kind of get... We get put on the back burner quite a bit. So making sure you're in our worldview, like, for instance, on our email list is important. And I'm sharing brand new content, not brand new content, but exclusive content to our email list that we're not sharing here. Every Thursday uh, afternoon, I'm sending an email out with uh, some content that's not uh, found here on the show. So being on our email list gets you access to a lot of cool stuff. So be uh, you can sign up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. 
That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. By the way, you can also watch live there as well. Uh, so if anybody wants to, it's possible. They want to avoid the uh, the tech o- overlords. You can do that there. Uh, what else? What else is going on? It, has anybody seen Sergeant Stubby beside myself? Nope. No, I have not. I would like to put that on the watch list. That yes. sounds really cute. <laughs> it is a cute film. And... Um, I think Lori seen Very it. Good. She mentioned she uh, mentioned it earlier. I think Lori might have seen I think it. So, Mr. Thomas Anderson asks, "Have they made a 3D image of the face in the cloth so that we can see the face in 3D?" I believe they have. Yeah. Yep. Yes. You, you just can, uh, uh, look up 3D imaging of the Shroud of Turin. You'll find it. Yes, there, Tammy. There is a replica of the Shroud at the Shrine uh, in Alabama, in Hansville. I've been there many times. <clears throat> it is incredible. They also have a highly scorched cru- uh, corpus on a crucifix out just outside the uh, the main in the courtyard area. It's incredible. But if you go to go down into the crypt of that uh, shrine there in Hansville, you that's where the Shroud of Turin Museum is. In fact, so there's a little 3D replica there as well. But there are more uh, Shroud of Turin like um, museums popping up around around the world, and I know. Was it last year? Year maybe it was a year before. They made a. Uh, there was like a life size replica. I think it was twenty twenty. I think three D model that came, came to out. Houston. Yeah, exactly. I ran into a shred of turn replica in Poland when I was in Poland. Oh, neat! Mm-hmm. So they're all over the place. You've run into them, uh, but it's really cool. I very much like it a lot. Don says smartphones have only made us dumber. Amen. I used to know phone numbers by heart. I know, nobody knows any phone numbers anymore. Uh, I think I only know my parents' phone numbers. That's it. You know what's worse is when people ask me for my phone number, and I often forget. I take Aww. the back. I know my phone number. <laughs> and I'm like, wait. I'm like, hold on. I know my number. Don't ask. I know it. Just give me a second. <laughs> I know it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, forget it. It's I'm old. What Definitely do you become more reliant on technology. Oh, way more. So, I, so much. I used to, I have an in, in like a, a built-in compass in my mind. So I've always been very good at direction and orientating myself to, to the compass mentally. Um, yes. But even now, it's like I so depended upon putting in an address and just clicking the button and letting so it direct easy. me. Like so self, second guessing yourself and like being less yeah. like confident about things. Exactly, or oh, having yeah. common sense to know this thing is not leading me correctly here. What are we doing? And the old, and in the early days, like the the first gen iPhone, which I had, or even wow. the second gen iPhone. Wow! And you're old. Um, like <laughs> it wasn't turn by turn, so you had to click a button to get to the next set of directions. What? So and it was Crazy. wrong a lot. It was wrong a lot, and it was so annoying. No Why way. They still make garments. Yes, they do. Of course, I know. Uh, garments are pretty popular within the overlanding community. Um, because you can get them on big screens, they mount on your dashboard, they come with a lot of extra information other than just um, just oh, they routes. Smell, they smell, sell watches now. Uh, Gaia is another company that also makes uh, pretty high-end navig- land navigation systems for, for, for a lot of overlanders will use those. Mike K., I don't even know my own phone number. I'm older than Joe, so maybe, <laughs> so maybe we are losing it. We are losing it, Mike. It's all over, my friend. I have to start wearing name tags just to figure out who's who's who around here. Tammy says the crucifix at the shrine made me cry. Yes, yes, it did. It's pretty uh, pretty intense, that's for sure. Isn't the shrine so incredibly beautiful? It's so ornate, it's so amazing, and the um, 
you know, just uh, the whole the whole facility is just something to behold. You you drive in, you're in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, Alabama, and you're in the backwoods, and you drive into this driveway, and then all of a sudden there's a clearing, and there's long road along. This road is lined with white picket fence, sort of like a white fence, you know, and it's just rolling hills and beautiful and serene. You come around the corner, and then there's this Italian monastery in the middle of the backwoods of Alabama, and it's just like oh. By the way, I featured that in my documentary film. There is a segment of my family going to to that shrine during the filming journey that I took uh, a few years ago to make my documentary film, which you can find at livingislife.net. Don said my first portable was a bag phone. Oh, he's really A old. bag phone. <laughs> No. What? what is a bag phone? It's like, okay, it's let's test a, the You age. carry it in a bag because it's so big. Yes. And, and then you got to like, there's like. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> how about this? How about this? Uh, how many of you have watched Get Smart? And what was Get Smart's phone? I saw the his, movie. His shoe. His shoe was the his phone. Remember that? Uh, you probably I saw the movie version. I don't remember. <laughs> I didn't see the TV show. Uh, you got to make a Get Smart. I loved Get Smart when I was a kid. I loved Get Smart. It was amazing. Who remembers corded phones in cars? Mm. I think my mom had one of those. Yeah, my stepdad did too. My dad had a. We thought phone. it was the coolest thing ever to have a phone in your car with a cord on it. Woo, Weird. man! Who, who remembers making their first phone call from an airplane? Man, what? that I just I call I call I can't, I can't phone calls on the airplane now. <laughs> <laughs> those were good times. Anyway, who remembers paying quarters to watch televisions on tiny little black and white screens on what? connected to chairs in airports? No, I do. I remember. That. You're making that up. I'm not. It was a thing. Not real. It was a thing. All right, uh, Bishop Strickland is our guest tomorrow morning. We're going to be talking about the synodal way. What in the? That's coming up tomorrow. God love you. Thank we'll see you that. for joining us.